shift into an attitude of gratitude. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Millionaire Woman Show. If this is your first time, we are grateful for you checking out The Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring guests from around the world that are going to inspire, motivate, and educate you to live rich from the inside out, all areas of life, business, and leadership. And today, my guest, I'm just super excited to have her here. I was introduced to her work about six years ago when I was in my coaching practicum and learned about the area of appreciative inquiry. So I want to introduce you all to Jackie Clem. She's a joy engineer and founder of Appreciative Living, where she has helped thousands of people become happier, more engaged in work and in life through workshops, coaching programs, and other offerings. She is the author of several books, on appreciative living and her work has been featured and embraced by organizations such as Duke Integrative Medical Center and the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Jackie holds four coaching certifications along with mechanical engineering degree and MBA and she enjoys cooking, painting, and going to the beach with her husband and her two adult children in Charlton, South Carolina. So I am so excited you're here, Um, Jackie. It is such a pleasure to be able to share appreciative living. Um, And I love your your title. You know, we we say you don't want to lead by title, but this is one title that needs to be led by definitely is a joy engineer. Tell us a little (laughs) bit about what that is. Well, I'm so excited to be here, Deborah. Thank you again for inviting me. And the Joy Engineer is a combination of my engineering background and the fact that I have been obsessed with figuring out how to create joy in my own life and helping others for over 20 years. So I sort of put those two together and that's really what I'm about. And I'm super excited to share about that, about share that tonight with your audience. And, you know, I have to have to say, and maybe you've had people approach you with this, when I think engineering, you know, you think very structured, very, you know, maybe box type thinking versus expanding into the world of happiness and joy and appreciation. It's like, wow, she is breaking the mold. <laughs> well, I think it was, it's one of those things that sort of happened to me. All my life, I had really struggled with depression and I had uh, something I had always kept to myself. And so as I became an engineer and as I got my MBA and I went out to the work world and was really successful, I was never able to get that personal side of my life together. And so it was almost like I had these two parallel paths going at the same time. And then finally, one day I took these appreciative uh, inquiry ideas that we'll talk about that I had been using in my work. I started applying them to my personal life. And it just transformed everything. And it was so amazing that I I actually just dropped off the business path and just got into the personal development path because I said, I have to help other people 
so much had changed in my life for the better, I really wanted to share it with others. And so from that point forward, I guess you could say I got on the expansive path, but sometimes those little engineering things kick in and <laughs> people joke because I can graph anything, you know, joy, whatever it is. So I do manage to pull that in at times too. But the best part about it is even in your own business, you're able to put that structure in place and make those systems work, right? So yeah, and I think that's, yeah, that's definitely part of the strength, I think, because it kind of when you can break things down for people and make them simple and give them step by step approaches, it makes it a, a lot more likely that they're going to be successful. Yeah. Well, what was the certain turning point for you that led you to embracing appreciative inquiry? It was really when I had my daughter, I had, as I said, I had struggled with depression and but had been able to kind of keep it in check and sort of hide it. And then when I had her and I got postpartum depression, I just, I really, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was too much. And at that point, that's when I started to really apply the appreciative principles. And I had been in lots of different therapies and things with no success. And so um, when I started to use it, and you know, it's funny because at first with this work, it's so simple. You think, oh, I can't be doing anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then all, all the wake up and you realize, wow, you know, I haven't been depressed. And in my case, I, I wasn't on medications anymore. And so it was something that over time, uh, it just gradually happened. And then one day you wake up and you're in a whole different place. Yeah. And when I, when I think of when I got exposed to it and, you know, I was finishing my practicum, I was doing it in a workplace, uh, you know, about increasing attendance at work. And it was interesting to me how this simple interview of involving people engaging in this dialogue could really shift people and think about their best experiences. Now, I, I won't really want to dive into focusing on our daily life, you know, as a joy engineer and, you know, focusing on appreciative living, how can we apply looking at some of our best experiences to bringing more of that into our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's such a important thing. And really what happens, our brain's actually wired backwards for how it really needs to be for today's world. And what I mean by that is we have this bias that causes us to over-focus on problems and negative things and danger. And that's a survival instinct. And that's why many of us struggle with feeling down or feeling overwhelmed, especially right now with the pandemic and all the things that are going on. Our brain wants to really pay attention to all this bad stuff because it wants to protect us. But that has a cost. That's what costs us. It, it exhausts us. It causes us to not think as effectively. And it's really not, it's not very good for functioning as well. And so with these appreciative uh, practices or looking at the good things in our life, it offsets that bias. And so now all of a sudden, it's almost like you, you can feel this relief of, oh my gosh, let me look at a time when things were working well, you know, mm -hmm. even yesterday, you know, sometimes you feel like you're so overwhelmed, there's so much going on in the world. It's like, oh, I can't even deal anymore. Just pause for a moment and say, wait a second. You know, when was there a time in the past when I felt really overwhelmed and I handled it successfully? Let me think about that. What did I do then? And what can I apply now? And all of a sudden you find this sort of treasure trove of, of really helpful information and, and things that work for you that you can apply. And it also just raises your, uh, your energy level too, to focus on good things like that. 
And then you can, it actually helps you tap into that energy you felt then as well. Um, I know when people talk about sales, for example, like if they're going to make a sales presentation or they're going into the office or meeting with someone that um, one of the suggested practices is to, you know, before you go in, take a moment to visualize an event where you were successful at getting the sale and how did that feel? And when you tap into that emotion that you're going to take the actions and be able to speak the words you need to speak from conviction. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. And that idea of embodying that emotion, like you said, right. You actually, it's like you sort of drop in, you sort of channel, you become whatever it is you want. And you can do that even just to try to feel more happy. You can, you know, there's research that shows if you even just smile, even if it's fake, or if all of a sudden I said, you know, pretend you're confident and you sit up straighter and you hold yourself higher, you're going to actually feel better. So there's a physiological piece to this as well that you can also tap into. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I was having a, I was going for a walk this afternoon with a friend of mine and we were walking when she was talking about something long in her past when you know, she wanted to go into this event, but, you know, she needed to go into it looking very confident. So she kept her head up high and kind of had a little bit of a strut to her and no one questioned Mm -hmm. it, right? When you have that conviction and she said, you know, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, they would, you know, check for ID or see that you're on the guest list. But other times when when you walked in, like you belong there, um, she said it worked. You know, and so I love how you say, you know, drop in and embody that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where some of that, that confidence part is some of it, you know, people will say, oh my gosh, you know, that's an imposter syndrome, but it's amazing what you can achieve when you put yourself in the mindset, you're already there. That's right. It's half of it, you know, and you have to, when you think about it, well, how are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. So what is faking it anyway? Anytime you're trying to move forward in some area of your life, you're sort of, quote, faking it. It's never going to feel natural, whether you're changing your thinking or your posture or whatever it is. As you practice it, as you as you work with it, your brain, it doesn't feel natural. So this whole imposter thing, you know, and I get that, that people think they just don't have the beliefs yet that line up, but eventually you will build them. And, and if you're going to feel a bit of an imposter anytime you try anything new, that's just how your brain kind of sees it. Well, it's getting rewired, right? We're forming those yeah. new neural pathways. And uh, I often tell people it's like an analogy of a wheelbarrow. You know, when, when we've had a wheelbarrow go one direction for a very long time, we formed a rut or a deep groove mm-hmm. and we want to form a new pathway we got to put a lot of effort in going against resistance and against the grain to, you know, actually get a new groove going. Yeah. So when, when you think about, you know, when people are in appreciation and they want to make a shift, how is it that they deal with some of the resistance that they come up with for themselves? So if you're, you mean like if you're, you've got a problem or something and you're trying to feel better about it? Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, you know, we're looking back and okay, what things worked and all of a sudden we're, you know, we pick on what things work, but there might be times when all of those things aren't enough to get us through the next um, breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. there's some resistance that we feel and 
where is that resistance coming from and how do we overcome some of that resistance even though we're tapping in some of the tools of those successes yeah yeah so there's a whole lot to overcoming resistance and when you dive down deep into the brain we have these uh subconscious you can call them patterns in the reptilian part but these patterns that were formed very early in our life that help us survive and they're just ways that we have come to think about ourselves or to think about the world that pretty much guide what we do in ways we just aren't even aware of. And so anytime you try to change, you kind of come up these and people call them different things, limiting beliefs, or um, I like limiting beliefs just because that's really fundamentally what they are. They're a belief and beliefs are changeable. But first you have to see it to even be able to do that. So when we look in the past for times we were successful, it helps the brain kind of rethink that belief. It's like, well, I have this belief that I can't, I can't do this, but oh, wait a minute, I did do it once in the past. So now the brain goes, oh, well, maybe I can. So it opens up some possibility. But that, as you said, that might not be enough. So what else can you do? Well, there's other appreciative techniques. There's a variety. Visualization is actually an incredibly powerful tool, probably one of the most powerful and underutilized tools. But the idea with that is you actually picture what you want in your mind. And the brain thinks in pictures. And you know, some people think this is woo-woo, but it's it's really not. There's a lot of research to back this up, Cleveland Clinic and that too. You know, we can picture ourselves exercising, for example, and they can actually measure increases in muscle strength from that by picturing yourself getting stronger and picturing your, your muscles getting bigger and so forth. So that's another tool that we can use if going back and looking at the past isn't enough. You know, picture what you really want, see yourself doing it, embodying, as we discussed earlier, you know, drop in and really be in the experience. That's a way. Uh, there's other tools as well. Um, there's a whole variety of things, but yeah, sometimes you have to come at it with a multi-pronged approach. Yes. You know, and also when I think of appreciative living, you know, when I, when I talk to people about appreciative inquiry, we focus on the best experiences and we're looking at, you know, core values and how, what strengths you bring to the table. You know, when I think about the appreciative living approach, you know, is it that we're wearing rose colored glasses? You know, some people will say, you know, you're delusionally optimistic, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you be practical. And I always say, how has being practical served you? <laughs> that is such a great question. And probably the number one greatest misunderstanding of this work is that people think it's about putting on rose colored glasses or becoming a naive Pollyanna or whatever it may be. What's fascinating is the absolute opposite is true. Okay, let me try to explain this. So first of all, we are authentically looking for the good. We're not making it up. We're not pretending it doesn't exist. We are authentically and legitimately going out there and finding positive aspects of whatever it is we're dealing with. So just to be clear, this is not positive affirmations, okay? This is not uh, saying things are there or pretending they're not. This is stuff that's really there. What happens because of this negative bias I mentioned earlier is our brain can't see all these things. It literally can't because of this bias, but when you retrain it, it can see these good things. So now all of a sudden you do start to see more good. All right, so let's just start there. So we're looking at things that are really good why people think that we are not viewing reality accurately 
is because they have, they are not able to see these good things. They're overly focused on all the negative. What we are doing is we are expanding our worldview with the appreciative mindset. We still see all the negative. They haven't gone away. We're not hiding them. What we're doing is we're expanding our worldview. We're increasing the whole size of the screen, if it were, so that we include all the bad stuff and a whole lot more of the good stuff that helps offset it. So we have a much bigger view of reality. And guess what? That now allows us to see possibilities, solutions, and all kinds of good things that people who are negatively biased can't see. But they think we're delusional because they can't see it. So it's sort of this great so irony, right? Vision, right? It's so <laughs> right. vision that they exactly. That's exactly right. And okay, so there's that. That's one of the reasons that they that they think we're delusional. The second reason, and this is true for all of us, our brain from a survival instinct standpoint is wired to run away from threats, anything it sees as a threat, anything that's negative. And so when our brain is faced with a problem or something that it's uh, a threat, it wants to focus on the negative. It wants to look at all the bad things. It wants to try to fix it. It wants to go in there. So if you say to somebody who's in the middle of a problem, hey, let's look at all the good things about this situation, the brain freaks out. It's, it's like the brain says, this is dangerous. You are crazy. We are going to die here. It literally, it's a survival instinct. It literally thinks you're going to die if you start looking at the good stuff because of how it learned to survive. And this is what I mentioned when I said earlier about how we're actually wired backwards for what we need in today's world. This kind of brain served us great when we were running away from wild animals because we needed to respond physically. But today we need to respond mentally. And you can't do both. You know, our brain can either be in high physical response or high mental response. It can't be in both. And so when we're scared or we're angry or we've got a big problem, that the thinking part of our brain actually shuts down and we're much less effective. So the great irony is that by focusing on the good, not only do you feel better, you are going to think much more effectively. And this is, this is research back. This isn't me just talking. There's a lot of studies that show this. Barbara Fredrickson and others, um, you know, David Rock has uh, a work about, uh, and there's hardwiring happiness. There's all kinds of books out there and research talking about this idea. But when we feel good, we think good. We think optimally and effectively. And when we don't feel good, we overreact, we misinformation, we misinterpret stuff. We are not nearly as effective. And then our actions match the practice, getting the results that we either don't want or we want based on whatever mindset you choose to have in that moment and what lens you're looking at the world. That's exactly right. That's why you see people hoarding toilet paper during COVID and, yeah. you know, getting all these rashes because they're using way too much bleach. And, you know, we, when we're afraid and when we are in negative emotion, we don't take the best actions. And, you know, you know, intuitively think about that. When you're really mad, when you're in a fight with someone and you're really angry, are you your best self? I mean, it don't, doesn't, don't all of us have regrets about those conversations where we've just lost it and said, no, that's not our best thinking self. Our best thinking self is when we feel really good. That's why this work is important. Not because we want to all be happy, which is great. And that's a nice benefit. It's because that's how you function best in your life. 
which is more important than ever with all the craziness going on around us. And happiness is completely a choice. And I find that people are in a a lot of state of overwhelm. They're operating a lot from fear because, you know, people are losing jobs. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty, people losing their homes and very concerned about the future, you know, kids going back to school and, you know, having these cohorts all together, concerned that their kids are going to get sick. So there's so many things going on and people getting caught up in the busyness of life. How can people still be able to apply this on a regular basis for versus moving into this place of fear and overwhelm? Yeah, that's a really important question. And, and the answer is actually a lot more simple than you would think. Because you think when you have this huge amount of overwhelm and all this stuff going on, it's going to take a big intervention. And what I want to say is it doesn't. It takes 15 minutes a day but it's really important that you do this for 15 minutes a day. And probably the biggest issue I have is convincing people that 15 minutes a day can make that much of a difference. But I am here to tell you it can, and I've done studies on this. So 15 minutes a day, what can you do? You can do a simple, I call it appreciation list, very, uh, some people call it a gratitude list, but it's, you focus on good things for five to 10 minutes. The important part is really getting into the positive feeling because that positive feeling is what helps rewire your brain, calm down all those negative feelings and set you up to be more centered and grounded through your day. And another way to think about this is almost like when you exercise, if you wanna get in shape, you don't have to exercise all day, every day. You go to the gym for 20 minutes, a couple times a week. Same thing's true with your brain here. When you wanna rewire it to be less anxious, less stressed, happier, more stable, You do that by doing 15 minute a day exercises. And so this appreciation list is one. Um, There are others, uh, you know, another one is a daily question. What's one thing I could do today, no matter how small to increase my joy. Mm, Very simple. One thing I could do. And you just take a couple minutes and think about it. No matter how small, little tiny steps, gentle, calming, kind, 15 minutes a day. It can shift your whole mindset and it can shift your experience. And when you do this every day, you begin to rewire your brain to have this more appreciative, expanded worldview, not contracted, crazy, delusional worldview, right? This expanded worldview. Yeah. And we, we also, you know, with it, with appreciation, we look at how our world, the words create worlds. So to really pay attention to the language. So when, when we think about language and, you know, how people are viewing the world and the language that they use to say how their day is, how, what is your approach? Are you taking your appreciative living approach when it comes to the words create worlds? It really does in so many different ways. And, you know, one of the things that the conference they had talked about, even the word social distancing, right, um, has a whole... Uh, whole whole kind of connotation to it and we can talk the way we talk about things gets inside of our brain and creates a meaning that then can create fear or can create separation or alienation and you know you call it something else it has a whole different connotation and and the, the classic example is the glass half full glass half empty it's so cliched 
but it's really true how your brain and will deal with that. And from a research perspective, they show this all the time. It's so interesting how people will respond differently depending on how you frame it or look at the media, how they, uh, you can look at two different uh, types of media outlets on the same article and the headline they give. They're both quote saying the same thing, but because they're, they're using different words, focused on different things, totally different meaning. And I take something completely different away from it. So language is very important and how we talk about things and the words we choose to use to describe them. Yeah. And also being paying attention to how those words influence us, especially, you know, with the media. And I love how you said, you know, two different headlines, same article. But what draws you in? I was reading, um, I forget where I found it, but it was talking about Time magazine, how 60% of the, the articles inside have a negative frame. Wow. And it's because not because, you know, they want to necessarily, it's what people want. That's what's sold because yeah. they want to yeah. get goods on, you know, that dopamine hit. They want to get goods on knowing something that someone else doesn't. And, oh, it's negative. Can you believe that? But yeah. I think people fail to recognize how that influences their thoughts and yeah. feelings about the world and their, their worldview for sure. There's a, uh, Loretta Bruning has, uh, she's, I love her work and she's written a number of books and she has a, a, something she calls the Inner Mammal Institute, <laughs> but she talks about the ain't it awful syndrome. We love the ain't it awful thing. Oh, isn't it awful? It makes us feel so good on so many levels. First of all, especially if we have it better than somebody else. Oh, isn't that terrible? I'm safe, but they have this or that. It stimulates all kinds of good feeling chemicals, makes us feel superior, connects us to other people over how awful it is. And you know, sometimes you find yourself out there, especially when a crisis happens or something goes on, we become obsessed with finding all the bad things we can because it's part of our brain's way of feeling in control. And so yes, our brain loves that negativity. It stimulates it. It's, and it's scanning for danger five times a second. So it's gonna pick up on a negative article a heck of a lot faster than it is a positive one, unfortunately. And so that does tend to make me, not just media, but marketing. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing, a painful thing I learned. I tried to market using these appreciative, oh, I'm gonna inspire you with all these great things. Only 20% of the market will respond to that. 80% wanna fix a problem or get over a pain point. So it's back to that negativity bias and how we're wired. And we're here to crack the code. We're here to <laughs> explain to you, like you're going to get so much more pos possibility uh, when you shift to having an appreciative lens at whatever you're facing and you'll be more solution focused. You'll be able to brainstorm um, and really think about how you want to lead in, in your world. And one of the principles I know that we, we focus on and is one of my favorite principles, you know, is the anticipatory principle of, you know, using the AI approach. And, you know, when people are, you know, in overwhelmed or they feel like they've hit a funk in their life, I would say, you know, you need to put something on the calendar. You know, when you're planning a vacation, you put in all the work and details there's excitement behind it even more excitement planning it than maybe necessarily going to the destination yeah. but suddenly you anticipate something you know date night on the calendar or you know girls night or whatever that is 
that anticipation leads to some happiness, right? So I'd love to hear what your favorite principle is and what your take is on that anticipatory principle. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that principle as well. And that's what I was talking about earlier with the visioning. Visioning is so powerful. So like you said, putting the date night on the calendar or taking that minute to just think about your future. Because guess what? We are always visualizing. We always, right now, all of us have a, a vision of the future. All of us have a sense of what tomorrow is going to be like. We all kind of have a thing in our mind about how we think things might play out. We don't know, but we're formulating those images. So we're always doing it. So when you can recognize that and go, oh, wait a minute, what I'm thinking is actually going to help inform and create my experience. So let me really kind of be a little more deliberate with this. Let me actually think about what I want and not just react to what shows up. So the power in the vision principle or the anticipatory principle is to put some images in your head about what you want, you know, plan that date night, that vacation, whatever that is. Um, I think, and from a purely get her done and make change kind of standpoint, I would say that's also my favorite principle. When I look at daily life and how it rolls, my favorite is the constructionist principle because that one basically says to get plain with it, we're basically making it all up. (laughs) And every moment, We step into reality with all these preconceived notions and beliefs and past experiences that cause us to think a certain way in that moment. Yeah. And you start to realize that a lot of what we think is really inaccurate. It's very biased in many different ways. And it's sort of humbling to to say, wow, you know what, I think this is the truth of how things are, but it's really not very solid. And that's scary at first, but the possibilities are limitless because you realize you can recreate your reality in each moment. We have so much more choice and about how we experience every moment than we can begin to understand, which is a lot of about, you know, what my work is about, but it's, you know, it gets pretty deep and heady. But truly, uh, life can be sort of made up as you go. <laughs> and, and I think what I love about it the most is, you know, and I was, you know, talking with another Jackie yesterday, it was very interesting, but we were talking about how we have these tapes playing in our head of these beliefs, but we mm-hmm. forget that other people have tapes too. So we're all walking around with tapes and we all you know, passing by and interacting with each other all have the opportunity to from moment to moment to recreate and change our experiences by making just one choice. Absolutely. And I sometimes I'm amazed we can even connect it all because we are all so different. I think so many times we think we're on the same page with people and we'd be shocked to discover how different our pages are which is fascinating too. And, uh, and also what scares people sometimes when other people have uh, a framing and a way of thinking that's too different 
that scary for people and our brain goes, what? You know, that's a lot of what the polarization is about that's going on right now on all the different topics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jackie, I want to ask you, what would be two things that people listening to the podcast or watching us here on YouTube um, would be able to ask themselves when they look at the life that they want to lead? Um, what would be two things that would help them put on that appreciative lens or those glasses to get that new viewpoint? Mm -hmm. I think the first question, the most important question, I've always said if I could take all this work and I, I could turn it into two questions. The first question is, what do you want? What do you want? This sounds like such a simple question. This is an extremely difficult question. Our brain is wired to focus on what we don't want. It's wired to look for problems and fix them. It's wired to react to whatever shows up. It's wired to just get through the day, to just survive, to just get onto the next thing. Mm -hmm. We don't stop and think about what we want unless we take some workshop or go to the spa or something, right? But, so we don't know. When I coach people, I spend 80% of the time trying to help them figure out what they really want. The other part of that is we have all these shoulds. We think we should want this, but that's not really, really what we want. Yeah. What do, so that, that question, ask, what do I really want? And then follow it up with, why? Why do I want that? Well, because I think it's going to get me this. Is that what I want? Well, I don't know. Well, why and why and why? What do I want and why? Why is that important? If you ask yourself those questions, even every day, you know, start your day, look at your day ahead. Say, what do I really want today? What's the most important thing to me today? Why is that important to me today? And then you can do other little tools and things, visualization, visualizations and that to make it happen. But first you have to figure out what you want. That's retraining that brain, mm -hmm. just like the appreciation list to focus on what you want because it's not how it's wired. And this is not just something you check off your checklist on, like on a box of the to-do list. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna feel so, many people just think, I have no idea. <laughs> or at first it'll be real surface things. You know, you can think of, oh, I really want chocolate. Or, but if, if you, it's, the, it's a great question. You can even set a timer throughout your day to go off every hour, pause in that moment and say, what do I really want right now? It's the difference between living reactively and living deliberately. Why am I doing this? I don't even know. I'm doing this just because it was on my list. Is this really what I want? What do I really want? What do I really want? See, and I think that appreciative lens more than anything, it helps people realize that they have the permission to dream. It's their life. They get one ride. And for them to figure it out of making the choice each day, because I think a lot of people live on default. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a brain, that's back to the brain. It's a survival thing. It's how we're wired. There's nothing wrong with us. We're not broken. Our brains are beautifully, perfectly functioning exactly the way they're designed. And when they do that, we end up in a very, uh, in today's world, a very stressed out, overwhelmed place because that's how our brain is, that's how our brain is wired to survive in this kind of world. And it does not serve us well. Again, it served us great when we were fighting lions and tigers and we had to worry about starvation. 
But now we need to be able to think clearly. So it's really important that we start opening up that good side of the screen and paying attention to what are the good things out there. So two questions, what's good? What do I want? Because what I want is also on that good side of the screen too. Those two questions will get you everywhere. Yeah. And it, and we're not saying, you know, think only positively because I know the secret got knocked down for, you know, let's just think positively. Good things are going to come to us. And that's not what was yeah. meant by that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. really, it's about what positive actions are going to match up your positive thinking to get you the results that you want. Yeah, absolutely. This is not magical thinking. This is, again, I don't do in my work, I don't, we don't do affirmations, for example. I, I think affirmations could be helpful if they're done right, but they rarely, rarely are. We, you know, so no affirmations, no pretending things are, it's like legitimately go into your life. You will be bowled over when you see so much good that has been there all along, but you just haven't been paying attention to it. So that's what we're talking about. And, and then do that with solutions. their work as well. At, oh my gosh, you're, the people you work with, the, your job itself, the world, all the craziness that's going on. <laughs> you want to feel better about what's going on, go out there and try to find good things. What are we learning from all this? How, what's, what inspires you? At first, your brain's like, wow, you're crazy. This is, this is dangerous. You're going to kill us. <laughs> so it takes some practice to kind of grease the skids and be able to go there. But once you start doing it, you'll never go back. Well, one, one of the things that during this time frame that has been very powerful for me is, you know, going for a walk in, in 530 in the morning and realizing I got the whole world to myself because everyone's still asleep. Mm, and, it, you know, it has been beautiful just to, you know, witness, you know, the rustling sound, which when all the cars are driving by, you miss, right? So some of the things that we've talked about that I just want to reiterate for our listeners and people who are viewing this is that power of pausing, that reflection, you know, and really asking yourself to gain that clarity, because I know people are often searching for their purpose, but not tapping into where do I find the most joy? Where's the life force in my life mm -hmm. lighting, lighting up my world when it's working? That's exactly right. And I find that pe because people don't know what they want, they like they just literally don't know. You have to discover it. So you go out and you, you get in the world and you notice when you come alive. You notice when you feel excited you know, and you will be so surprised. Sometimes it's things like, oh, I, I got the kitchen all cleaned up and boy, did that feel good. Yeah. There are things so, we have so many wrong beliefs about what brings joy. We are loaded with them. So you have to go out there and explore and you have to try things out and you just pay attention. This is what I mean about what do I want? What do I want? Do I like this? How's this feel? Oh, isn't that interesting? And you'll discover a whole new side of yourself that you just didn't even know was there. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I have to share that I discovered is this company. Um, they're out of Calgary, but they're on Instagram called Go Clean Co. And I learned about laundry stripping and huh. it was fascinating that, you know, you follow this concoction and you put your clothes in the tub and you're soaking it. And to see, even though you have clean clothes, how much darkness is in the water, and it just blows you away. It's an old technique apparently, but huh. my biggest thing is, you know, 
cleaning a shower door, you know, there's often been the residue. And they suggested using Dawn soap and vinegar and water. And, you know, you wipe it down, it was just like a brand new shower door. And I felt like I, you know, hit the jackpot, <laughs> you know, and when I think about it, it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, I know this hidden secret. And those are the times are like, bring me joy. And I know they're crazy, silly things. But instead of finding the negative news on social media saying, oh my gosh, I know something somebody else doesn't know. I'd rather find out the life hack that's going to get me ahead, get me excited about things and just see things so differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to go back to, again, we're not ignoring all the negative things. So, you know, we're taking 15 minutes a day to sit down and really go big with the positive stuff, right? 15 minutes of we're just going all in on looking for good, but the rest of the day you're out there in the world and all the negative stuff's coming and you're seeing it and you're getting caught in it. And, you know, next thing you know, you're spiraling down. <laughs> so really this is about living a whole life and, and just doing a practice to help expand your worldview. It's not it's not ignoring the negative. It's not pretending it doesn't exist. It's you will handle it so much more effectively from this good place. That's the point is this, the better you can feel. So even, even if you feel less negative, you're going to be more effective, right? Like going back to that analogy, if you're in a big fight with somebody, if you're just kind of mildly mad, you can sort of keep it in check and you can do things that are going to probably be more productive. But the angrier you get, the angrier you get. Mm -hmm. the worse you, be, you behave. And so the idea here with all of this work is the more of a positive state you can be in, the better. And it doesn't always even have to be positive. Sometimes it's just less negative. <laughs> so yeah. that's, but that's still progress. That's going to serve you and it's going to serve the people around you. You know, and Jackie, when I think about, you know, how we're making sure that people understand that it's not that we're, you know, ignoring threats or weaknesses. And this really takes me back to thinking about the SWOT analysis that is often used. Whereas when we take an appreciative lens, we're using something soar, you know, soaring above the clouds, soaring. I always like to say, you know, you're soaring above the issues or concerns, not that you're ignoring them, but you're going above them to yeah. focus on strengths opportunities, who, aspiration, and those results. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's reinforcing to people, yeah, I know the weakness is there. Yeah, I, I know the threat is there. Um, but being able to, and I'd love for you to expand what your view is on what does focusing on our aspirations or results do to the outcomes that we're getting? Well, there's that thing of whatever we focus on grows and what we resist persists, right? So as we focus on problems and things, we tend to create more of that because our brain scans for images related to that. And it continues to pull more of that out of the environment, whatever we focus on. So this idea of, of looking at our results and what we want helps us to move towards those, helps us to create more of that in our, our lives. Um, and I, I want to comment quickly on one thing you had mentioned about this whole notion of positive and negative, right? It, it's an arbitrary construction. They're actually, it's, it's, we make that up just like we make up other things because what's good for one person is gonna be bad for another. And where is that line? And so for example, I was working, I've worked with the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. And I, when I did this four week program, I came in and if we were to put on a chart, good and bad, having MS was bad for everybody on that 
in that room, right? And you would all, you'd say, well, yeah, of course. And so we think, oh, well, inquiring into that is, is looking at the negative or however. Well, here's what happened. Over four weeks, as people did these daily appreciative exercises and things, they began to see all these good things that they couldn't see before, solutions, possibilities, and things. And there were people in that group who got to the point, the one guy in particular, where he actually put having MS on the good side of the screen. He said he was grateful. He realized that it had benefited him in so many ways. His relationships were so much deeper. It caused him to stop and slow down in his life that he would have never done had he not gotten it. He was full of gratitude. You know, there's a woman there in a wheelchair who was completely despondent in the beginning. And by the end, she was finding all kinds of joy in her daily life. So this idea of what is bad and what is good, you say, oh, MS, that's terrible. Well, for these people, they found joy in living with it. And so that wasn't rose-colored glasses. You don't make that up. And I wasn't asking them to. And frankly, it was a stretch for me to even think they could find so much joy and be so appreciative for that. Uh, so just to say that that's what this work is about is things actually get reframed the more you work on them. They, because we're sort of making it all up. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to explain, but it, that it goes back to, I heard someone say one time, you know, your problem is not your problem. Hmm. And it, and it was like, what, what are you talking about? You know, but when, as you frame it as well, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, your problem isn't your problem because your problem's made up right? Because it could be a problem if you choose it to be a problem. And it's that construction, right? And it makes me also think of the, there's a story by a Chinese farmer whose son gets, you know, called to the army to, right. to war. And, you know, people are questioning him and he's like, maybe yes, maybe no. Like, it's a good thing. And he's like, maybe yes, maybe no. And, yep. and I love that you brought that up because it really, I want anybody who's listening or again, watching this show to really thinking about something that might be troubling you right now. Can you look at it with an appreciative lens, put on those rose colored glasses and just take a moment to see it from a different perspective. What could be good about the situation that you find yourself struggling in? Yeah. And when you're in a lot of negative, intense motion, you can't see that. You literally can't. Your brain's too, mm -hmm. you know. So at that point, you can ask questions like, uh, what, what, what am I learning from this that could potentially help me somewhere else down the road? Right. Mm -hmm. So learning questions I find are good. It's, it's too hard to find good things. Um, you know, it's almost like with George Floyd, let's say the night of his death, you know, when, his, when it happened. I mean, his mother, she was in survival mode. At that point, it's like, what would bring me comfort? You know, that's the kind of good things just how can I take care of myself? So those are the kinds of, when we say looking at the good yeah. and intense emotion, that's what looking at the good is. It's just anything. I just want to feel a little more comfortable. I just want to feel safe. And you kind of move up that scale emotionally, you know, after a couple of weeks, then you go, they, they probably were in anger and, and that. And then now there's, they've been talking about seeing, you know, now there's all this purpose and this sense of um, that there was a much greater, you know, a, a greater purpose to what happened to that event. And so over time, we can see things that we can't see in the heat of the moment. And, and again, it's not about pretending and going in there and saying, oh, it's all good. And this, there's no problems. And there are problems. There are things we don't like, and we don't want, gosh, darn it. <laughs> you know? And that's life. And it's going to constantly happen. This is just a way of dealing with it that's much more effective 
that's all. But we're still, we still aren't going to like stuff and bad things happen and life sucks sometimes. And that's fine. That's, you know, that's not what we're saying here. And it's, and it's about embracing the suck and being resilient. Yeah. Right. So thinking about how can I work with what's in front of me? That's right. That's right. But first you got to know how to work with it. Like if you don't have the tools, you're just going to react and which is what we all do. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I did for many years. And that's why I struggled with depression for all that time, because I never learned how to do it any differently. So you do need to, you know, pay attention to these things and do this stuff. It's like going to the gym. You need to be in good physical shape. You got to work out somehow to do that. You need to have your thinking in good shape to handle this craziness that's going on. And there are exercises and things that, that are really helpful for that. This has been an incredible interview, Jackie. What what would be um, two of your greatest wishes that you'd love to leave with our audience today? Even three. Um, I think first of all, to understand that life is really good. It's so much better than you have any idea about. You just can't see it because of your negative bias. Mm-hmm. And it is worth taking five minutes a day to just go in there and try to find those good things because I promise you they're there. The second thing is to really this whole thing again about what do you want? Ask yourself that. Really, really inquire into that. Explore that. Spend time with that. That's also going to help you create what you want most in your life and help you separate out the shoulds from the, the want tos and, and what's really going to bring you joy. And I think finally is just to never give up hope, to always know there's a better way, there's a better life. And things, there's always hope and there's always a way to figure out whatever it is you're going through. And, uh, you know, sometimes people give up, but there's always a way. Beautifully said. So I've come down to some final questions that I never reveal unless you've listened to a full millionaire woman show and uh, every little response is different. What is one book that has really impacted your life? I've read a billion. Um, I really like Byron Katie's work Mm -hmm. and uh, she has several different books, but I would say that that probably has had the biggest impact on helping me reshape reality. Yeah. Yeah. She has some very powerful questions, including the work that uh, people can check out. And I love to offer these resources to people to learn what has shifted something for someone's life that I've interviewed. My, my final question for you is, what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. It means to focus as best you can in every moment on the best of who you are and of everything around you. And that is the secret to joy, I think, connection, love, 
all the things that we're looking for out there and all the other ways. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Jackie, how can people stay in touch with you to learn more about appreciative living, how to bring more joy in their lives? Please let everybody know how they can connect with you. And I think you had something you also wanted to share. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Deborah. Um, I have my website is uh, appreciativeliving.com. And I have a free joy package on there. That's uh, a whole host of things that can help you deal with the current situation and that has daily practices like I talked about for setting yourself up for success. And there's a flourishing formula in there as well that if you're dealing with a particular crisis or something that's really waking you up in the middle of the night, you can use these appreciative tools to deal with it effectively. So, and that's all free when you go to the website, again, appreciativeliving.com and download that. So grateful um, for those gifts and for just for you sharing your knowledge. Like I said, you know, I've been tapping into it for a number of years, going to, hopping to the website, you know, I've printed off the appreciative living package and it has really um, in my own personal life to look at always looking for that silver lining, giving myself permission to dream and asking in the moment, what is it that brings me the most life and joy in my life so to really move forward so I am grateful for being able to you know share your gifts here with our audience on the millionaire woman show so thank you so much for joining us thank you Deborah. it was just pure joy being here and I your work is fantastic and I love what you are doing for the world thank you so much thank you everyone for joining us here on the millionaire woman show I will have all of Jackie's contact information for her social media, as well as the website in the show notes. Make sure you go over to her website, appreciativeliving.com. Really connect with her work. It is life-changing. And I'd love for you to go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com. If you have not been there, you can get your free gift of a three-part video series on making habits stick. So whatever goal you're working on, so you can build that focus and consistency and knock those goals out of the park and actually make them a reality. And you probably will find a little bit of appreciative inquiry in that process as well. And uh, sign up for, you know, newsletters, the success newsletter goes out every two weeks so that you don't miss anything that's brand new coming out. Most of all, when you're listening to this show, we would love for you to go over to rate and review the show. As you do that, it shows up higher in the podcast so that people can gain this information, change their lives, change the way they lead their organizations and their businesses. As Mahama Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Jackie and myself, go out and make today great. Thank you.